You are listening to Present Truth Ministries Radio, telling the world that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Hello, everyone. May God richly bless you. And we are continuing on What is the Message, Part 2. This is our episode uh, for PTM Contender. If you're watching us live and you can't listen to the whole time, it'll be released uh, next Monday, and you'll be able to get that by uh, email or here on Facebook or on our website at presenttruthmn.com or ptmradio.com if you're used to that. So continuing on, our purpose is to show the uh, unity of the message and how the scriptures that were prophesied to come to pass at the end, t- end of the Gentile dispensation are now, uh, many of them are fulfilled or are in the process of being fulfilled. And so in this, in, in this process, we talk about what is the message. We believe in the message. We've seen the message, or maybe you haven't heard about it, and this is an introduction to the message for you. But there's scriptures fulfilled, and these scriptures point us to what actually the message is all about. Now, I want to start out with bringing a few events in the life of William Branham to show you how this ties together with the uh, revealing, uh, fulfilling of the scriptures. So, with that said, um, in nineteen, Brother Branham had a, a healing ministry, and his he was originally from Jeffersonville, Indiana. Uh, he was a, a, a very poor man, uh, had a ministry there locally. But uh, an angel of the Lord met him when he was in a cave and told told him um, about his future life that he would pray for kings and monarchs and that he would have a healing ministry. That it would take uh, uh, the healing ministry portion would take two different parts. One, he would have a sign in his hand, and that the sign in his hand would tell him what uh, disease the person would have. We won't get into the details of how that worked, because he explains it, and you can look at that and find out more if you want to. But um, it would reveal the sickness, he would pray for them, and people were being miraculously healed. The second part, the angel of the Lord told him, is you would... Uh, know the very secrets of people's hearts. And so Brother Branham would be in the meetings and he would see a vision and it would know, it would show secrets of their lives. It would show things that they have done in the past. It would show things they, they were praying for and asking the Lord Jesus to uh, uh, heal them or provide for them or give them wisdom or something like that. And so the Lord would speak forth and use him in that mighty way um, to reveal uh the reality is it's not revealing William Branham. It's revealing the love of Jesus Christ for his people. So um, the the first thing that uh, I want to bring up is in um, 1950, uh, Brother Branham was speaking uh, in uh, Houston, Texas, and uh, there was a photographer there. It was actually a debate. Brother Branham wasn't involved in the debate because he didn't want to debate. But um, there was a debate, and so the, the, the prophet of the Lord was in the meetings. He came down, and the photograph was taken. And so here on our live video, we won't have it up, but those who are, list, those who are listening to the, the rebroadcast, you will see this picture, and we call it the pillar of fire. Uh, 
some people look at it and say it's a halo above Brother Branham's head, but uh, it is a picture, and it was it was reviewed by an FBI uh, uh, consultant. And he said the picture is genuine. It has not been doctored in any way. Privately, he told Brother Branham, he said, I believe this is the uh, uh, first picture of a supernatural being that has ever been taken. So this was a, a vindication of God's presence with this man, William Branham. It's not showing that William Branham is sinless. It's not showing that he's a perfect man. But it's showing that God is with him, which... If you knew this, you knew him and knew about his life and his testimony, it would be very clear that God was with him. All right, then in 1962, in December, God gave Brother Branham a vision of an angelic visitation, uh, which he, Brother Branham foretold in the message, Is this the sign of the end, sirs? So, um, he, he foretold how seven angels would come and meet him uh, and that he would be picked up into this constellation of seven angels. And when that, when that came, there would be a loud explosion. So then in, um, in March of uh, 1963, Brother Branham was met by this constellation of seven angels. There were several brothers there, and they heard the loud explosion. And Brother Branham reports that he was picked up in the air and, and that he was told that he should return back to Jeffersonville, Indiana, and preach on the seven seals of Revelation, chapter 6, 7, and 8. And so uh, then in, in, uh, later that month, Brother Branham returned back, and he began to preach on this subject. Now, uh, seven or eight days before Brother Branham had this experience, there was a cloud that appeared in uh, that went across northern Arizona and uh, around Fla northwest of Flagstaff and so forth and, and and it was in the same formation of what those angels came in what Brother Branham is and when you turn that picture to the side uh, you can see it's like a reverse image of the Hoffman's head of Christ it's very incredible but it's uh, another indication and vindication of Brother Branham's ministry. So we want to look and see the scriptures that prophesy of an opening of the seven seals in the end time. So we have we have such a conception based upon denominational thinking that uh, the coming of the Lord is this instantaneous event and boom, it comes down and boom, this happens and it's all so catastrophic and instantly happens. Even our, there's movies about it, left behind movies and airplanes are falling out of the sky and many things are happening. But uh, the Bible speaks about a, a, a secret, a sudden secret happening that's going to take place. Not a worldwide uh, phenomena that... Uh, just is seen everywhere and and you know it's it talks about something happening just yes it'll be worldwide but it'll be misunderstood and not recognized by the people whenever god has done something great on earth it was just a small minority of people that did it when christ came he came to the jews 
and there was just a handful of shepherds and wise men that knew about it. Uh, not a many people did it. Even when Jesus died on the cross, he was rejected by the majority. So it's going to be something that only uh, a small group of people is going to witness. You know, uh, in it says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. In the days of Noah, how many people were saved? Millions? No. Eight souls were saved by water. I'm not saying it's going to be that few, but I'm saying the picture fits as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. So we want to break some of these conceptions that we have. First Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. Um, we read these last time, but I'm going to really focus on verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, Three things, a shout, the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So a shout, a voice, and a trump. So let's look back to Daniel chapter 12, and we're going to turn there, and we're going to see that it has been prophesied that there is going to be an opening of the word in the end time. And so we'll flesh out the details as we go, but Daniel chapter 12, and we'll start at verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Okay, so here we find this is an angel, a mighty angel um, that's come down from heaven, and he's speaking to Daniel and tells Daniel, shut up the words of the book and seal it. Till when? Till the time of the end. So what is sealed? So verse 5, Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, the one on this side of the bank of the river and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, so the man clothed in linen is actually the angel of the Lord that brought this message to him. And the angel of the Lord is in this vision, is standing above the river. So on two sides of the river, there's other men, and in the middle, there's the angel of the Lord. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever ever and ever, that it shall be for a time, times, and a half, and when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? So I want you to notice, Daniel heard the word, and he wrote it down. So it's written and recorded in a book, but he didn't understand its meaning. So he, he goes to the Lord and says, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. So what's closed up and sealed to the time of the end? The understanding of what it really is here in the Bible. Not a new revelation, but what's in the Bible. Uh, many things are sealed and are what we call mysteries that we don't grasp, that we don't understand fully. And it says, At the time of the end they will be revealed. So the, 
the understanding of what the scripture is, has been all along, is going to be revealed at the end time. Verse 10, many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Now we know that it is only through the blood of Jesus Christ and through faith in that blood that we are saved. But here we're seeing many purified and made white and tried. So we we understand that at the end time, there's going to be some further uh, sanctification that needs to take place before the rapture comes. So before uh, the 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 catching away, there needs to be something that will purify us and make us white. And it says the wise will under the wicked won't understand what understand what the opening of the word, but the wise will understand the opening of the word. They'll understand it, and from that revelation, God will purify and make those wise to, uh, to white. So it's not something as though it's disregarding the blood of Jesus Christ, but it is a, a furtherance of this process of sanctification in our lives by the word. Now, I want to tie that together very quickly with Ephesians chapter 5. Paul speaking about Christ and the church, Christ as the husband, uh, the church as the bride. And he says this, um, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he may present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. So we look at church history and we can see a gradual falling away, which led to the Dark Ages, which led to Martin Luther's ministry of restoring the understanding of the supremacy of scriptures and that the just shall live by faith. It's not by works or anything that we can do, but it is by faith in Jesus Christ. So here started a gradual restoration. Luther didn't have everything right. There was other reformers that came at other times that brought other portions of the word, a part of the word, to restore the truth, the full truth of the Bible. So they accused Luther, said, are you saying the church has not had the truth for 1,000 years? And we can say, yes, that is true. They were in the dark ages. They fell away from the truth, but God is going to restore it. So it has to come to a place where the church is not walking in darkness anymore so that we can come to this place that the church is without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. So there needs to be a, rest, a complete restoration of the whole word so that there can be a bride in her purity. So here we have the promise that there's going to be a bride presented to Christ in purity not through our own works, but through faith in the word. And here it says that the, that there's going to be, at the time of the opening of the word, at the time of the end, that there'll be many that are purified and made white and tried, and none of the wicked sh shall understand, but the wise will understand, and they will be purified 
as a result of receiving this understanding or revelation of the open word. Okay, so we, we, we're living in that hour. It's already happened. It's already been opened. It's being revealed step by step to the bride to purify her. Now, let's look at this. How did this happen? How did this come to pass? Revelation 5. We want to look at such a significant moment in history. Just marvelous. So, we are promised something in the time of the end. Now, uh, before we read Revelation 5, I want to say, many people say, this is just for the Jews. You know, Daniel is talking about his people. And so it must be redemption of the Jews and how it comes will be revealed at the end time. But I want to show you in First Peter chapter 1, verse 5. Peter, of course, is the apostle to the Jews, but Peter is writing to Gentiles. In Turkey, says Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So you say, well, those are Jews that are uh, in the diaspora. Well, I want you to look here, um, verse 15, um, uh, First Peter, no, no, First Peter, Peter 1, um, verse 18 for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot, without blemish, and without spot. So there he's telling you were in ignorance. So the Jews were not in ignorance. They had the scriptures, but Gentiles were in ignorance and worshiping gold and silver. We're not redeemed by silver and gold. They're worshiping things fashioned by gold. So this is written to Jewish and Gentile believers. And I'll remind you what the Apostle Paul said, of course, in uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, For he is our peace, who has made both one, so both Jews and Gentiles, one, and broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. So he took Jews and Gentiles and made one new man. Now we understand dispensationally, God is dealing primarily with the Gentiles, but there's Jewish believers, and Gentiles and Jews are made one, and we're... We are even uh, brought to be partakers of the same covenants of promise. Um, uh, we look at that. Wherefore, remember, verse 11 in chapter 2 of Ephesians. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcised by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of province, pro, promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So we're brought together. We're made near through the blood of Christ. We're, we are, can now partake of the covenants of promise. Now, that doesn't mean we're Jews, we're still Gentiles, and there's still a Gentile dispensation, and there's going to be a time where God turns back and primarily deals with the Jews to restore them. But 
nonetheless, we ha- are partakers of the redemption that are, is promised to Jews. So, First Peter 1, verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So, there's a salvation that's going to be revealed in the end time. Daniel is told there's something sealed up that's hidden. Revelation, revealed, means to, to unveil. means to, it's covered up now. Now we should take the veil off and we see what it really is and what really has been all along. So Daniel is told there's going to be many made pur- purified and made white and the wise will understand the opening of this hidden book. And Peter says salvation is going to be revealed in the last time. So we have salvation through Christ through his blood, and yet there's a, something further that's to come in the end time. So, Revelation chapter 5, we see that there is something further that's going to take place, and we see this is a prophecy, okay? And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven sealed. So same book that Daniel's talking about. Now we see in greater detail that it is actually sealed with seven seals and it's in the hand of Almighty God. Now, and I saw a strong angel proclaim with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. So here we have a book that's hidden, that's closed, that's to be revealed at the end time. And the angel says, who's worthy to open the book? And no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the other elders uh, saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the king, hath prevailed to open the book, and to loose the seven seals thereof. So he prevailed. How did he prevail? And I behold, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. So I want you to notice this. You're worthy to take the book and to open the seals. Of course, the Lamb, the Lion, that's different aspects, uh, different ministries of Jesus Christ. So the, you are worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Why? Why is he worthy to take the book? Well, he tell, it, they tell us, For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us, or purchased us. Redeemed means to purchase us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. So redemption has two parts. It has the purchase price, and then it has the claim of that purchase purchase possession. So, uh, Christ purchased us at Calvary. We have sal- There's two parts even of salvation. We look at that 
salvation is going to be revealed in the end time. Well, salvation came to us through the blood of Jesus Christ. He purchased us at Calvary, and yet he's got to claim his possession. And you have a possession. Now, when you have a home, you have a title to that home. This book is the book of redemption that's sealed. So this book of redemption contains the rights to all those who are redeemed, but also the mysteries that are revealed that are to prepare those redeemed people for a body change and to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So we look at this picture and we see that Christ is claiming the title deed of redemption. Now he's claiming ownership of everything that he paid the price for at Calvary. Only Christ can open the word. William Branham can't open the word. He's a sinner. He needs redemption himself. But Christ claimed his possession by taking this book. And step by step, he opens the seals. How could he, uh, how could he, uh, why did, why was he worthy to take the book? Because he purchased us unto God. Now he can take the book and make the claims for his property uh, of redemption. He's going to restore us back to Eden again. He's going to restore us back to immortal bodies. And then he's going to eventually, after that, he's going to take possession of the earth and bring a restoration even to the earth itself. Man will then have full dominion over this earth. The adoption takes place and now we are manifested sons. We can speak and the tree can be removed from one place to another. We can, just like Adam could have in the, in the days before the fall. So now the, the, the uh, purchase price has been, and what, what he purchased has been claimed by taking the book and to loose the seals thereof. Now briefly, I just want to take a couple minutes and go to Revelation 10. So we see the picture of how this happened. I want to t- start tying this together, but I don't want to go too long. So Revelation 10, 1 through 7, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with the cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and left foot upon the earth. Okay, so I'm just going to leave it there. Um, we'll, we'll continue forward from there. So the mighty angel, who is it? <laughs> who is the mighty angel? So is it just another angel or is it something more significant? So first of all, he's clothed with the cloud. How did God lead the children of Israel uh, out of Egypt? During the day, it was the cloud, pillar of cloud. And... During the night, it was the pillars of fire. The feet of this mighty angel are as pillars of fire. Clothed with the cloud, a rainbow was around his head. In chapter 4 of Revelation, around the throne is a rainbow. Okay? So, speaking of God's covenant, um, his face was as were the sun. The, it was radiating the very glory of Almighty God just from his face. So, you see... Feet as pillars of fire, face was radiant the glory of God, rainbow around his head, clothed with the cloud. This is speaking of the very 
presence of Almighty God himself in the form of an angelic being. So down he comes, and he comes with a little book open in his hand. He's coming with that open word. So it was an angel that told Daniel, that was an angel clothed in linen, actually speaking of the presence of God, it was that angel that said, seal it up until the time of the end. Now we see in Revelation 10, the picture that is coming, which is that sealed book is now open and the mighty angel is coming down to reveal it. So, and when he comes down with that open book, he cries with a loud voice. What is he going to say? So something is spoken. We see a, a voice of a mighty angel, a chief angel, the voice of the archangel speaking a message of what? What is contained in that book? And when he cries, seven thunders utter their voices. Okay? And when seven thunders utter their voices, John says, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. So we see what the seven thunders utter is sealed up at John's time. But it's to be revealed at the end time. So the seven thunders, revelation, what they bring, is actually connected back to the opening of this book, which was hidden to Daniel, which he couldn't understand. The seven thunders will bring a revelation that will show forth the opening of this book. So how does that communicate it to us? to the church, because it has to be a, a wise people that understands. Revelation ten seven says, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he has declared to his servants, the prophets. So it's already been declared to the past prophets. It's written in the Bible, right? But it, it's a myst in mystery form, and that mystery of redemption will be revealed in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. Now, each church age has a, a messenger to that church age. So angel in the Bible can either speak of a human messenger, bringing a message from God, or it can speak, speak of a supernatural messenger, bring, bringing a message from God. Here, this is revealing the mystery. So it has to be a human messenger bringing a mystery to a people on earth. God always speaks through a man to his people on earth. He spoke through Martin Luther. He spoke through John Wesley, John Calvin, um, Ulrich Zwingli, Zwingli, John Knox, William Tyndale. We can go on and on through history. God used a man to speak on his behalf. Deuteronomy 18 says that that's how God was going to speak from now on was through prophets. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He reveals it to us personally. We have a personal relationship with God. And yet still under the New Testament, he sends messengers to bring a message to his people. Each church dispensation from uh, Revelation 2 and 3 had a messenger for that church. And also it speaks of a prophecy of, of the dispensation of the church age where e there's each seven epochs of the church and each epoch has a messenger. So Martin Luther was the messenger to the fifth church age, John Wesley the messenger to the sixth church age, William Branham the messenger to the seventh church age, and that messenger is to finish the mystery of God, that which was hidden 
to Daniel is now revealed. So the seven thunders utter their voices. Then William Branham communicates that to the bride of Christ who will be washed by the washing of the water of that word, purified and made white by that word, and prepared for the rapture. So Christ opens the seals and says, I'm going to claim my bride. That mighty angel comes down, which is Christ in spirit form. And we see 1 Thessalonians 4.16, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, which Brother Branham said, that's the message, the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. So this voice of the archangel comes, the seven thunders out of their voices, which seven angels met Brother Branham in the desert in uh, uh, Tucson uh, near Sunset Mountain and then told them go back and one by one as each the Lord Jesus opened each seal a messenger one of those angels those came to Brother Branham and brought him what it, what, what it, each one of it meant now people get confused and say the seventh is not revealed because in the church or in the seventh seals book Brother Branham says uh, it's a mystery we just know it's connected to the coming of the Lord and it's connected to the seven thunder seven thunders they're connected together and he doesn't go into great detail on it but slowly and he says it won't be revealed to the public not to the public but it'll be revealed to the bride and so step by step as the years go by 63 64 65 he gives us many many clues and shows us exactly what the meaning of this uh, seventh seal is, but he does it in mystery format. Still to this day, some people don't grasp it, don't have the revelation of it, but the mystery of God is finished. That which was hidden to Daniel has now been opened by Christ and revealed to his messenger and then to us. So it's Christ revealing it, but he uses a messenger to do it. And so that's where we want to close. We want to we want to go forward again. We'll do part three next week, and we'll look more details about how these scriptures all tie together in such a beautiful way. So let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your glorious word. We thank you, Lord, that it has power to wash us and change us uh, in such a mighty and glorious way. We're so thankful for that. We ask, Lord God, that you would be with us, that you would speak your word to our hearts and grant it as a revelation to us. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.